Merson has scored. Arsenal legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea, and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event. So if you want to be there, get onto offtheball.com forward slash events. Just eat the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Yeah, Liverpool v Spurs on Super Sunday. And yeah, if you were on another planet for the week, it does look like the title race in England is more or less over, albeit Manchester City still actually trailing Arsenal. Um, by two points but have that two games in hand and then the battle for um, I guess for fourth place is probably the most compelling thereafter um, but some interesting games this weekend and um, we'll talk about the Irish interest as well which to be fair is a lot more centred on the championship um, this weekend but tomorrow it's uh, Bournemouth v Leeds Fulham v Man City Manchester United v Villa who are some, somehow actually in the battle for a Champions League spot now uh, Newcastle United her third against Southampton Gavin Zuna dropped during the week we'll t- chat to Tam at all about that shortly as well and Liverpool against against Spurs um, who showed a bit of bite during the week um, yeah what with the rugby on today it's obviously in a bridge show so we're just here to talk football until uh, 2 o'clock I'll try to keep you up to date as well with all the scores in the championship and in the snooker I know a lot of you are keen to um, hear the updates from that it's now Selby 11 Mark Allen 9 so um, that's the best of 33 so uh, Selby edging kind of 2 back in front how you get on Dan? yeah I'm good We'll, we'll chat about the big story of the week uh, presently, but in terms of the League of Ireland, it has become a two-horse race quite quickly, I would argue. Well, you love just like declaring it as such. I mean, both are still top of the table. You can't write out the team that's top of it. I, don't, I think over the long run, um, you know, it, it probably will pan out that way, but that's just projecting what you think might happen. I think you can't really say that definitively when you know, Bowes could be Cork on Monday and Derry and Rovers draw and then all of a sudden you're talking about gaps, you know. Um, Statement win for Derry City. Yeah, it was a big win for them. I know Tim Tancy was raging about the, the penalty decision um, but I saw, a good, it wasn't at a game but it was the LOI TV season pass is great. You can flick around between games and I probably saw uh, more of Derry Pats than any other game and um, it's just signs of life in Derry, all right. Like they've been dreadful at home. Um, but they've got some of their better players back. Michael Duffy's in good form. Colin Whedon off the bench to score again. Um, and yeah, like uh, positive signs. I thought it looked an awful decision, to be honest, on the replay. I was watching it on my phone coming back from Galway last night. Um, was it Ryan Graydon went down under a Lewis challenge? Yeah, um, and, and Tim Clancy would argue it should have been a free out. Um, he was travelling at such speed, and Lewis was probably static, you know, that you can see how... Um, he ran into him. Yeah, that that's it. Like, and I, I think it was, uh, I think it was Paul McLaughlin, the ref, and I think Tim suggesting Tim Clancy was suggesting in his interview. You know, the referee said to him afterwards, "I could only see it once." And yeah. I suppose that's the thing. I mean, it's a, it's a VAR league. You can see it twice, three times, four times. Well, McLaughlin was probably looking head on, almost was he? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't. I'm not sure about that, but. Um, I mean, I think Derry did deserve to win, but clearly if you're um, of a Pat's persuasion, that is a, a talking point. Uh, I'm not sure about a turning point. Um, I mean, they didn't really threaten. Um, and Derry, particularly in the minutes before half time, were like turning the screw, and this was already enough in the second half. Um, so, um, I listen, I mean, Derry have sometimes struggled in those games as they've gone on. If they haven't broken the team down, definitely helped them. It liberated them to score when they did. And it liberated them. Colin Whelan's fit again. Um, the game in Tala, actually, funny enough, talking to a few Shamrock Rovers fans afterwards, you were doing the red zone last night, in effect, hop- hopping around games and all that. Um, Sligo, apparently, were very good. Yeah, no, I turned on the last sort of 15 because this started at 8 o'clock and... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I saw sort of Sligo Rovers piling on the pressure and I was thinking, well, is this a, a, a sync with the game? But chatting to one or two people who were covering it as well, they were talking about how excellent Sligo Rovers were. I think it's something like 19 scoring attempts um, or certainly 19 sort of... Um, yeah, opportunities of sorts, you know, um, and I think they had more possession. Um, so I know possession isn't everything, of course, but uh, and just Alan Manis, I saw him talking about it as well. There, that was probably one of the best Sligo teams they've ever faced. So I mean, they still lost. You know, it's it's funny. Like I've I've seen Sligo Rovers in Talca a couple of weeks ago, and they were very very good for probably you know sixty minutes, forty five minutes, and still lost. So. They're probably looking at their points total and thinking, um, you know, people again will jump and go, oh, is this going to be the top four that's there now? And um, other shells have actually now broken into it last night, but the, I think Slug Rovers might feel uh, their points return doesn't match their performances. Just briefly, it's definitely two horse race in Division One. Well, yeah, you tell me. Um, yeah, I was you were in Galway last night. Funny enough, first home game of the season, and it was a really poor game. Um, and I was always like, the case when the big record crowd turns up, isn't it? Yeah, and apparently a bug went through the Galway United camp this week. But like it was like last season. I mean, there was very little football played. Cove played what little football was played, but didn't really create anything. And you just look at Galway United; they look like they know how they're going to win. They know the way they're going to win. But they face Watford now next mo- Friday. It was a massive game. There's obviously around against Monday as well. But Watford's doing the job in Bray. Yeah, well, I think um, like Waterford, me think about it, they've changed a manager. Probably had the sense that they've um, had a bad start to the season in some ways, and um, because of that instability, um, they've only dropped seven points, but they're still seven points off the top, mm. which is sort of mad. I mean, God, we have won every game. Um, I saw your old, um, you know, everyone's old mate Pat Dolan in his column. The start the other day talking about how Waterford were unstoppable and thinking, well, no, I think probably Galway might be unstoppable. They've won every match they've played. I was at Punchstown on Wednesday. Met JD, uh, having a good time, JD. Um, but uh, it's definitely among the conversation from people within racing and just people who are hovering around was um, just an article that you wrote um, in which the headline was if someone proposed a horse and greyhound racing fund now with uh, the terms in place um, you'd be laughed out of town. Um, there has been a little bit of reaction to this in government circles as well and um, if if anyone, I guess a lot of people listening won't actually have heard about this, just tell us what this um, kind of research you did was about in, in the sense of what the FEI is looking at in terms of potential funding for football. Yeah, no, I mean, it was raised, I mean, Leo Varadkar was eventually asked about it, on, I think, on Thursday. Um, but yeah, like this is, uh, the FEI commissioned a report uh, they used got an economic consultants KHSK to do this it's actually a couple of years back to look into the horse and greyhound racing fund which is yeah it's the you know it's the funding mechanism for the governing bodies in of horse racing and greyhound racing where they're funded by government yeah. um, it dates back to 2001 in that time 1.5 billion has been paid um, when it was established in 2001 the, the means of funding it was the income from betting tax uh, would basically be diverted towards the governing bodies of the two sports both of which were in a little bit of crisis at that time the, the governing bodies were being reformed so it was a sort of a broader there was a, there was a few things going on but certainly at that stage there was a sense maybe you know a lot a lot of people were betting on horse racing and greyhound racing and the bookies were were benefiting from from showing horse racing and greyhound racing the state was benefiting from tax and maybe the governing bodies themselves were in a little bit of bother and this was a way to introduce um, a form of state funding but from betting tax now um this was under the auspices of sport it ran 2009 it was handed over to agriculture um, classification this, this is 
crucial distinction in the sense that it's it's suggesting that these aren't quite sports in terms of so they're not subject to like the conditions of funding sport it's funding industry um, and yeah since then in particular I suppose there's been a slight divergence between say the betting tax income and the overall uh, contribution the betting tax was reduced um, there's a long story here I suppose the, the short version of it is um, there's been a lot of money going to, to these two um, sports I still refer to them as sports you know over a long period of time justified on the basis that they are industries who are uh, big employers um, the FEI are they big employers? Well, well we can talk about that in a minute but you know, the FEI just wanted to commission an analysis into the history of how the fund actually operated which has raised some questions about I suppose um, the appropriateness of this fund uh, the amounts in terms of um, you know the use of public funds for this purpose um, when you have a situation where other sports now uh, generate huge amounts of um, I suppose income for the betting levy and receive nothing and in recent years the betting tax has gone up again and that's led to a windfall it's led to an increase in funding for horse racing and greyhound racing um, that is, there's been a correlation between that and an increase in prize money and horse racing in particular um, and the analysis also questioned um, some of these reports that are trotted out. I mean, listen, this is an FEI report, right? Uh, FEI have commissioned um, a firm to do a report for them. HRI had Deloitte do a report for them a couple of years back about figures of you know employment created by uh, their industry. But you know, this report obviously looked into. I mean, that's a quarter of their betting shop employees and ripple effect employees, and um, you can question it. But I think it's probably important. This has created a lot of response. Like Leo Varadkar was in the doll talking about, I don't agree with the FBI's divisive approach here and pitting sports against the other. Well, it's funny. A, actually, if you look back, I found this in 2012, 2013, actually Leo Varadkar was talking about expanding the uh, the betting tax when he was Minister for Sport. He was thinking it might be an idea. Um, And there's discussions where he was looking at this. Um, There's been a layered government response to it, right? Leo Varadkar was quite... I don't know how would you describe it quite dismissive um, and unhappy with this being raised talking about this being you know divisive you know don't be pitting sports against each other and now I would say the whole sports grant system in this country actually pits sports against each other all of the time um, and there's obviously been you know forays at various times about hockey pitches in certain constituencies receiving funds and other sports not so the whole nature of it is you compete for sports against each other it's not quite um, you know straightforward um, then you had a you know, department of sport suggesting that um, well you know this money from the betting levy isn't technically uh, ring fenced this was after their discussion the fund isn't technically ring fenced um, for this fund yet there's numerous instances on the doll record where people talk about the relationship between the betting tax and the horse and greyhound racing fund and in fact the 2001 Act had a commitment that the funding would never fall below the betting tax from 2001 so there's a clear relationship between betting income tax and the funding of this um, and yeah there's just an unwillingness generally I think from a lot of politicians to get on board with this and you hear about this privately from people is that it's a little bit of a delicate issue because naturally horse racing and greyhound racing are intertwined uh, to varying degrees it must be said um, with the rural economy I think there's a clear distinction here um, that probably horse racing attracts a lot of the headline attention um, because you know there's a bit of glamour and you know the, the high profile owners and, and it's it's probably easily accessible because uh, Chatham and Punchestown and everything is on the mind where it could be argued that the actual funding for greyhound racing um, is a 
bigger, you know, more contentious, as you know, as and I know, you know, attendances and and the numbers involved are probably smaller. Um, and there's probably a broader issue here about how sport is funded in the country country generally, and. You know, do you how, how do you quite stand over the level of this? Because I think the report is actually not suggesting that you need to turn off the tap to these sports. And I think sometimes maybe, and you know, as I know from covering racing, probably racing is under siege in a lot of ways in recent times. Yeah. We've got protesters on the track at Aintree and mm. this is probably, you know, it ends up being lumped in with it as some kind of attack on them and there's a defensiveness around it. But ultimately, like this report is saying, yes, it's clear that there is a benefit from racing, but if you're giving 100 million per year in public money, then why don't you agree to some kind of value for money assessment just to explore it, to see what, you know, how is it spent? Is this the best use? Why is this hugely successful industry, a world leader, as we're told, still hugely reliant on state support two decades after this was set up. There was an independent report in 2012 set up which actually spoke about the need to, to wean horse racing off this dependency on the exchequer. Like Simon Coveney, who was Minister for Agriculture, spoke about it extensively Brian Kavanagh, at the time. Brian Kavanagh, who was HRI chief at the time, would have said the same thing. So the, everyone's been speaking about it for years, yet we have a situation where it's still reliant on this huge amount of, say, funding. And maybe you can you can tell me why, why that is. Um, well, you look at the situation in Britain, it's the complexity of getting money from... Mon- it's the complexity of getting um, money from betting that has gone online as well that has been problematic in Britain when it was, when it was betting betting shops it was much much easier to figure out how much money we get from the betting shops betting shops are now struggling so trying to tax online um, if you look at the situations in say France and other countries where there's a monopoly in terms of the toast um, that's fine the, the funding structure in Britain is obsolete now it doesn't work the levy situation is broken so in this country um, we have moved towards taxing online but people don't bet on greyhounds anymore so the greyhound really so they, they bet on greyhounds to an extent but football has become the biggest betting event way bigger than greyhounds and as you know yeah the profit margins are bigger on football and you speak to anyone in um, working in the bookmaking industry as I have across the last week or two and they will say a lot of their internal promotions are like target customers on football mm. football 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 so but yes, you have this weird situation where effectively, no matter what wordplay people try and use, this windfall from the increase in betting tax in recent years, driven in a large way by increased bets on football, is going towards the funding of horse racing and greyhound racing. And when you're talking about public funds, like, you know, you have to examine all, you know, the, the, the report, for example, in detail talks about, like, you know, assessing an economic metric as a return for public funds, i.e. people come out and say, well, you get, 30 euro for every euro you put in to horse racing which a figure again again can be disputed in some ways how that is reached but still there is a clearly a return but we're talking about public funds you have to talk about the benefits to health you have to talk about the number of people that participate in a sport you have to sort of offset some of the positive costs of that sport versus the negative costs that it can create um, and it's just broadening the debate like in the doll last year there was a motion put forward by both Labour and I think Sinn Féin um, to just a value for money assessment of the amount that is put in, how it's maybe deviated from the initial terms and conditions in 2001. Are we willing to have a look at this? 
mm. and it was voted down, which makes people think, well, why don't you want to look at this when there's various reports in the last 10, 15 years that have spoken about this and said, this is a little bit unusual. Can we look at this? It's anachronistic, Dan. This is the point. Yeah. It's anachronistic because as you point out, 2001 was a different world. Greyhound racing is tiny now relative to football in terms of betting. It's tiny relative to football in terms of interest, participation, everything. Why is Greyhound racing getting 20% of a fund that football is getting nothing from? Yeah, and I know a lot of Simples. people, but and a lot of people, a lot of the responses to this, and I think I made this point the other day, it really just goes to show how damaging the Delaney years were for the FAI, because a lot of people hear about this, and all they hear is FAI and money, and they jump to thinking, well, well, I mean, they wasted everything. Look what they did. Mm. And I mean, it's very hard to argue with that um, from the football perspective. But it's funny, like we talk about the HRI and Greyhound Racing. And as you know, like the Greyhound Racing administration has had a lot of issues, mm-hmm. as many issues as the FAI in the last two decades. HRI hasn't been perfect, but clearly it's been delivering more. Um, but people hear the FAI and they initially think of the FAI and the... The, the blazers and the 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 sort of the, the, the sort of bumbling and the blundering and don't necessarily think about all the participants all the people who play the sport you know all the thousands of people who are who suffered because of the Delaney years and the argument is well because your governing body screwed up then maybe you just you need to get a little bit of punishment and continue to suffer for this now um, when we know there's a chronic need for investment and facilities for a sport it does and there's other sports that clearly generate betting levy too uh, you know there's a broader debate here where you can talk about should any of this betting levy money be going you know should be funneled in this particular way and I accept that that debate exists but while this mechanism effectively operates it's very hard to stand over it in its current guise and I think that that's uh, that's the debate that, that has been opened up here and there seems to be a lot of sensitivity in the response to it which I think is uh, pretty illuminating well, Absolutely telling indeed um, our erstwhile uh, buddy Kevin Kilbane in an article today in the Irish Times speaking about just this Man City thing nah, it's not, not to be enjoyed like um, I've seen articles across a couple of media where people watched that Man City dismissal of Arsenal the other night and were like nah this doesn't sit well with me yeah, well, I mean, I suppose, yeah, like st- from 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 state funded domination of of one sport to another, I suppose. Um, Nicely done. Yeah, um, you know, not got, quite comparable. No, but, uh, how many press free cups have you won? You know, <laughs> <laughs> show me your press free cup medals. Um, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, the whole Man City thing. Yeah, I mean, this has always been the case, though. Like I mean, maybe maybe that they're just maybe it's that they're on the verge, and I spoke about it here with Joe during the week. Like maybe the fact they're on the verge of a treble, you know, makes it even more pronounced um, that they might you know achieve this historic thing. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, this is what you—it's sort of careful what you wish for, you know. Like the, I met this point around the time of the, the Premier League investigation. Um, you know, Man City at various times, you know, some of the other clubs that are being dominated by them have have sort of run with them. At times, you know, in Super League debates, looking for an increased share, you know, overseas rights. Like Man City were accepted to the top table. They've been a useful ally at times, but they just have a bottomless reserve. And if they're struggling, they can again, you know, they can they can find a new sponsor, um, you know, of a of a of an independent well, company in in, in UAE, um, uh, whatever. And and they'll and they'll 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 take off again. Um, I still like watching them play football. Yeah, I mean that's the. You know that's the the hypocrisy that probably exists within us all. Um, they are like a. I've always found them a good side to watch. Um, 
but I mean, what 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 do people want to happen? Is it the Saudi funded Newcastle? Would that be the would that be the rivalry that the modern Premier League deserves? Modern world, and then maybe Qatar Manchester United, you know, which is the other. Well, yeah, the other angle. watch this space. We are running out of time, and um, we don't have really enough time for Evan Ferguson chat and everything else. But there are so many championship games involving the playoffs, involving Irish interests this weekend. Yeah, well, I suppose you have the relegation thing in the Premier League. We, we should mention as well, but Bazuna being dropped, and that's obviously. What do you mean? Yeah, that's it's strange that it happened now. Um, but I suppose if you're four games from going or three games from going you know you roll the dice um, obviously game. his last game was the Arsenal game so I mean in some ways the, the sellers see something in that collapse I don't know it's hard to see it for the goals but maybe he's just looking at experience right it's maybe no big drama yeah the championship promotion race is always great I mean Sheffield United did go up during the week which is brilliant for John Egan and hopefully Andy Stevens. and the playoff race is a bit crazy you know because you've got sort of Coventry, Sunderland, Blackburn even West Brom um, huge round of games across today this evening um, you know it's going to change change campaigns you know change change lives for players you know um, we have quite a few involved although I mean Preston have sort of slipped out of a West Brom need a few things to go their way we, like, we may not have the level of Irish involvement in the playoffs that it might have looked like a month ago or so yeah and it's all ahead of us loads of games this weekend just to keep an eye on I'll just reiterate those championship games Bristol v Burnley Coventry City Birmingham Hull City Swansea uh, Reading Wigan Sheffield United who obviously promoted against Preston Stoke QPR Sunderland Watford um, West Brom Norwich City in the Premier League at the moment it is Crystal Palace 3 West Ham 2 after the break it's all about rugby and uh, we're counting down to kick off the Viva Stadium at 3 o'clock Football on Off The Ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports